Hello everyone, this is Tim Dodd. Welcome to the Believer's Faith Challenge podcast. Faithful to give witness to tens of thousands, yes, and to the millions that believe it. And believes in I believe that God's gladly lived a packet until all around the world it's been circulated. Hello everyone and welcome to the podcast today. This is the Believer's Faith Challenge podcast where we report on the works of God all over the world as relates to the end time word. Greetings, brothers and sisters. Welcome to the podcast. Brother Mark Ajo with you here today. And on the program today, we are privileged to have another interview with Brother Jason DeMars, following up on uh, our podcast that we had in January. So we're really glad to have him on the program today. He has some wonderful testimonies to share with us. And sending in comments this time from Germany, our traveling missions director, Brother Tim Dodd, who normally operates out of BC, Canada, but lately he has been traveling the world. So God bless you, Brother Tim, and uh, welcome to the podcast today. God bless you, Brother Mark, and it's good to be back again this week. Today we have an interview with Brother Jason DeMars. We did a podcast with Brother Jason back in January, and after I interviewed him, we just chit-chatted a little bit about different things that were happening, different testimonies. And I thought, you know, there were a couple of testimonies that he shared that we weren't able to include at the podcast at that time. But I thought, you know, if we ever had a chance in the future, it'd be good to have Brother Jason share some of these individual testimonies of his experiences on the field. And so I was so glad to hear that he was coming to Washington State and uh, that you being on that side of the border, you're able to catch up to him and interview him and ask him about a couple of those testimonies. So I know the people will enjoy it today, hearing from Brother Jason DeMars once again. So welcome, folks, to the Believer's Faith Challenge podcast. Brother Mark Ajo here. I'm here with Brother Jason DeMars, who's passing through our area. We're so glad to have him here on the podcast, and we're going to talk some more about his missions work overseas in the Middle East. So God bless you, Brother Jason. Amen. God bless you too, Brother Mark. Thank you for having me. I appreciate this opportunity. Absolutely. And we, we had you on just um, a few weeks ago. Yeah. So this one's going to be maybe a follow-up of that, and we'll get into some testimonies and that kind of thing. Yeah. Awesome. Sounds good. Okay. Uh, where we left off, I believe you were you'd explained some about the Arabic translation, which is such a big part of what at Bible believers we always focus on the the translation because we're trying to get the message out there to the people. Mm -hmm. And I was just looking up a little bit about Arabic, and I don't know if it was mentioned in the last podcast, but there I guess there's five or six different types. Yeah, yeah, they're they're. So if you if you are doing missions in a say in Lebanon and you are getting a Lebanese brother to do the translation work, it would be I wouldn't say it's useless, but it would be to the level of that's great for Lebanon, but it's not really gonna pass muster anywhere else. Yeah. Thankfully, 
were working in Egypt, and the Arabic that they speak carries over everywhere. Amen. So very, very, the Lord, the Lord direct us in the right place because, you know, in other, the dialects that go on in other areas would not at all work for a global translation that needs to be done for Arabic speaking people. And that field of Arabic speakers is enormous, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it really is. It's, it's quite enormous because you have, you have both first language Arabic speakers, and, but then you also have Muslim, the Muslim community worldwide that speaks it as a secondary language because uh, if you're not aware, mu Muslims are like old Catholics that the religion is done in Arabic. So you might be a Turkish person, you go to your your mosque and you hear everything in Arabic. You don't understand what's being said unless you have a certain level of understanding of Arabic. And so most the majority of Muslims don't understand it. Um, and they have some sort of translation. But when they pray, they pray in Arabic. When they go to go to their service, it's all in Arabic. So it's kind of like the Latin mass. So it's their religious language, in a way. It is our religious language, 100%. I don't know if that will help us or... <laughs> yeah, absolutely, because that, that opens the door because you, you would go to the Somali community and you should have a Somali translation. Today, because Somali Somalian people are 99.9% .9 Muslims, we don't have any translations, as far as I know, in the Somali language. Even to find a Bible in the Somali language is to the level of you have to pay $100 just for one Bible on Amazon because it's so rare. Yeah. But many Somalis can read Arabic. So it would be a, a bridge to be able to get the message to a lot of different areas that we wouldn't necessarily ha have a niche into. So, yeah. Okay. So that just that opens up the doors to a lot of places, and we'll just have to watch and see where the Lord takes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Because it really is a it is a global language. I'm trying to recall. I don't have the facts and figures in front of me, but I feel like it's the third most spoken language after English and Mandarin. Yeah, I think that's about right from what, what I saw. Or maybe it's after French. I'm we're, not... we're into the hundreds of millions. Yeah. So we're it's a huge, huge language in the world. It is. Yeah. It really is. Okay, and just reviewing um, the translation efforts, I think you mentioned the Church Ages book mm -hmm. and the Supernatural series. Yep. And uh, then there's individual messages. Yes. Progress. Yeah, exactly. So the... The, I mean, it's a slight update on the Supernatural series. We've got book five now printed. Um, book six is being, at, uh, and book five will be start distrib distribution soon. Book six has been translated for a while, but is now being edited, and we will have that printed and distributed probably within the next month and a half to two months. So then that series, that's, we kind of like to, whenever we go, go, you know, into a new place, we, we look at the Church Ages book and the Supernatural series, because the Church Ages book is the meat, 
and the Supernatural series is the vindication to show that this is really God moving and working. And then after that, we start on the translation works. And we, we have sort of taken the uh, Bible believers seed library kind of approach where we get the major messages uh, translated. And so that's, that's where we're kind of, as far as translation work, that's where we're at right now is I think we've worked on modern, e modern events made clear by prophecy was just the most recent one that was uploaded to the message hub. And so, and working with those brothers, that's kind of our main way of working now is that when we get that, as soon as that's, you know, if, if they want to get supported for translating then first thing is get it translated get it edited and then get it on the message hub once it's on the message hub and i can verify that then we'll we'll get you your support for for doing that so okay. um yeah. because that you know it, that has a major impact because there's a, there's there's more works in arabic speaking countries than just what i'm uh, we're doing there's there's some in sudan and different different areas throughout europe where um, Syrians and and different ones from war torn countries have moved into Europe, so it's a it's a great vast opportunity once we get it on the message hub. Mm -hmm. I checked it this morning. It looked like there was forty some done uh, of individual messages. And do you have a sense of at what rate they are translating, adding new messages? Yeah, it's it's pretty much two a month right now okay yeah so there and and it's probably will increase right now it's long heavy sermons the rapture and yeah. modern events made clear by prophecy and on the wings of a snow white dove and ones like that that are the longer um, more detailed sermons that take more time so it'll it'll probably speed up there's two brothers working on it together a, a father and son uh, the son is is in um, an English school in in Cairo, and so he's the main one that's doing the translating. And his his father, who's the pastor there that I work with, does kind of the editing and the oversight of it. And uh, so I think as he's also going to school, so that slows part of it down. But that's his uh, that's his I guess you'd say that's his part time job now, and hopefully it'll be. When he's done with school, it'll be his full-time job. Yeah. yeah, just to reiterate, you know, we get new listeners sometimes that might think that all this translation is done by volunteers, but you really can't. It is a real job. It's hard work. It takes skill. It takes time. Yeah, and you want to develop. You want to develop a translator too, because you don't want them to do five translations and vanish. You want them to be. I mean. 1100 sermons so yeah. probably a you know as the lord if the lord tarries it's a lifetime endeavor for some of these languages absolutely yeah and it's worth the investment i'm, I'm i know we have to uh get support from believers for this but it's worth the investment this can't be done any other way without paying those qualified people to do it and sticking with the ones yeah. like you say that are developed and good at it so Absolutely. Amen. Okay, so just to clarify, the supernatural, you're on, are you waiting till they're all finished before you release them, or are they trickling out? They're, they're trickling out. Each one is trickling out, and we print every time there's, an, there's a new one completed, we print it and distribute it okay. right away. 
Yeah. Any any feedback? Early feedback from those or? People love them. They they absolutely love them. They're it's very readable. You know, we've we've the person who's tra- who has translated those is a, a Pentecostal, and he loves loves those books, and he is he is so close to accepting the message. He hasn't quite yet, but he's so close to it, and he he went from distancing himself from the message to now um he's come to our meetings and he comes to every time every time i preach he's there um and so he's he's so close but then we've brought on uh in order to edit it we've brought on a university professor who is an expert in in arabic um in order to make it uh, readable for the average Arabic-speaking person, and which is really what Brother Owen Jorgensen wrote it to be as easily readable by even a fourth, fifth grader. And so um, it's been tremendous. The feedback has been really positive with that, and it's it's kind of going far and wide. It's to the point where we may even be able to get it to be uh, an official book in the Egyptian Coptic type library that they have there, which, you know, the Church Ages book is probably going to have to be continue to be a, uh, a, a bootlegged uh, type of thing. And same thing with, with the message books, but the uh, supernatural book is is one that probably can be like a get get our get our foot in the door of a lot of places. Yeah. Yep. And churches sometimes use that. You know, you have the five book series, so that first book, and then you can put a sticker in in the back or something that leads exactly. them, you know, exactly. on to more of your materials. Mm-hmm. So yeah. It's a great witnessing tool. Mm-hmm. And praise the Lord. Yeah, I, I've talked about this with Brother Owen, and he told me personally that he wrote the book at a fifth grade level. So you're actually right on the money yeah. with that. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah. no, it, it's, it's tremendous. Yeah. Brother Jason, you recently took a, a missionary trip to Egypt, and I'm sure that people would be excited to hear how that went and any testimonies of things that happened there. Yeah, it was a it was a whirlwind trip. It was my kind of my I think it was my first trip um, back there since COVID struck. I was there in the February of 2020, and so finally was able to get there. But it was a quick trip. In fact, I, my trip was even delayed because I got I got an antigen test instead of the PCR test, so I had to changed my ticket and go a day late but I, I got there uh on a wednesday our, we were having a uh, like a uh, a conference with believers there and invited a bunch of people from assemblies of god church and a lot of people it was the first time hearing about the message and so i think we had about 100 with with the young people close to 150 people um in these particular meetings um which it's all done by invite because it's a it's a conference center out quite a ways out and 
you have to help them with their transportation and all that. So we had them, we had there. And so there was a lot of people that were hearing, hearing the message for the first time. And there was, there was a, a neat testimony. One particular uh, Assemblies of God minister was there and I was preaching on uh, predestination and he was a real Armenian and free will guy. And so he was having a real problem with what I was saying. And he, at one point in the service, he rose up to start angrily asking a question. And, um, you know, I usually in those circumstances, I will get a little upset and take control of the situation. Not anywhere. It'd be inside of me, the upset. The outside would just simply be take control of the situation. And I just told the man, you know, I have, I have a lot of notes here. You're asking me something that's going to be answered very easily as the sermon goes along. So if you just pay attention, it'll be answered. And he kept yelling his question. And I just started preaching again. And eventually he realized no one was paying attention to him. And he sat down. And uh, I just felt very relaxed about the whole thing. I don't know. I probably, I probably shouldn't have been. But I just felt s such a calm in myself. And um, so the service got over with. And I'm, I'm about to do like an invitation. And he stands up and starts yelling that I didn't answer his question, shouting his question. And I entirely ignored him. And I basically had to just bail on the service and just go directly to prayer because he totally ruined the atmosphere of the service. So I just went to prayer and invited the pastor up. And he was flustered by it. And he just, did, usually they'll do worship and spend time and one, one person will pray, another person will pray, and then they dismiss. This time he was just like, so-and-so pray, let's dismiss. And after the service was over, lots of people that were at the church that I visited were very upset with this man and, and saying, you're wrong, you did that wrong, you messed up the atmosphere, that was totally wrong. And we just said, just, uh, I just calm down. Well, the pastor came to my, I went back to my room in the conference area and the pastor Brother Megali came to the room and he was very upset about it and concerned because in Egypt, sometimes these characters can make problems for you with immigration. And I just was just, I don't know. It was like the spirit of the Lord came over me and I was so relaxed. And I said, Brother Megali, these things happen. The Lord's in control. I understand it was upsetting. He ruined the atmosphere. He ruined the opportunity. I was going to kind of make an invitation for prayer. And it just, and, and, and let you come up and lead songs while I prayed with people. And uh, it, it totally ruined that. I said, but the Lord knows and has a purpose in all this. Let's just, let's just see how it goes. He's like, well, do you want to meet with him? I said, no, I don't think I need to make a big deal about it. it and he says, what about the questions and answers? And I said, I don't think we need to make a service over it. Why don't you just offer the opportunity for questions and answers after the next service? He said, sure, let's do it that way. So we did, and I I preached, and then the service was over-dismissed and said, anyone with questions, just stay, and we'll answer them right here. And uh, so he came, and he asked his question, 
and um, <laughs> it was a, it was I already answered it. He just didn't understand what I said. Uh, not because the translation was bad. He just didn't understand it. So I answered him directly, and then another brother in the church said, gave an gave like an example, like a, told a story, and the man was like, "I accept it. I accept it." And I said, "I have a question for you." I said, "I'm I'm assuming your desire is to express the love of Christ to people." I said, but the thing is. You know, when we stand up and shake our finger at people with an angry look on our face, it doesn't express the love of Christ. It just expresses anger and frustration, and it, it creates a very bad atmosphere. And he stood up and he said, you're, you're right. He said, I apologize. Will you forgive me? And he looked at everyone in the church that was still there and he said, I'm sorry for what I did. It was a big, big mistake. I should have never done that. So we still had, I think, after that question and answer, we still had two more services, the evening service that night. No, just one more service, evening service that next night. After the service, Brother Megaly asked for testimonies, and this man said it was the best conference he'd ever been to, the, the most um, direct teaching on the Bible he'd ever heard, and that he was so blessed from start to finish, even though he had a he was confused by it um, before that. So that was a that was a wonderful testimony of how the Lord changed the situation so easily. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was it was. I should have been more worried about it, but I kind of just look at it like if the Lord wants me to be shut down from going to Egypt, then that's fine. It's in His hands. I, I, it's not up to me. Where I go, when I go, um, if this is the means of of directing me somewhere else, then I accept I accept that. But the Lord had other plans and 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 changed the whole situation. Also, at those meetings, there's been in I think it's been three or four years that I've been visiting them. Um, there was a um, sister in the church that would come alone with her children. And she, almost every service, she would come forward and for prayer, pray for me. My situation at home is not good. My husband, I have problems with my husband, and he needs salvation. And usually, you know, when a, a woman in the Middle East comes forward and says she has a situation in her home, she's being abused in her home. That's a norm. That's almost the norm in the in Middle Eastern culture than a husband that's loving and, and, and gentle. So we pr we've prayed for her. Brother Dale Smith has prayed for her. We've all, anybody that's gone has prayed for her. And Brother Megaly has prayed for her for years and for her husband. And so I remember she came forward this time and said, I want you to meet my husband. And I was like, oh man, wow. He was there at the meeting and the last service, um, she came forward and said, my husband wants to receive salvation. I said, well, then let him, where is he? Bring him, bring him up. And uh, he, so she went back and brought him up and he came forward and we prayed with him. And he, he, um, except he had been very against her going to church, 
against the gospel completely, against the message. And he came forward and just repented and gave his heart to the Lord there at the service. So that was a, that was a, man, that was a great blessing because it's been years. I mean, it's been many years before I ever met her that she'd been praying for her husband. So, you know, as you're, you're telling this story, I'm, I'm just thinking about, it's fascinating to me how uh, when you first go into a country, say, say Egypt is like a whole new harvest field. Yeah. And you don't have any contacts and how do you start and usually it's there's some series of miracles that happened where you a door opened and you met the right people mm-hmm. how do you even go into a country where you know no one and get a conference yeah yeah no so it's an it's an interesting story it's more it goes back beyond that it's like i was doing missions in turkey for years and I do teaching videos on Facebook and YouTube. I used to do them every day. Now I do them twice a week. And this, uh, a brother from Ghana who does missions work all around Africa what, went to meetings in Burkina, Burkina, Burkina Faso. Where, no, where is that? Burkina Faso is a little country in... Um, I think it's just north of Ghana. Okay. Uh, maybe a lot north of Ghana, but a little bit north of Ghana mm-hmm. is what my memory, if my memory serves right. And uh, very much, a, even from Ghani, Ghanaian standards, it would be a very much a, a backward, third world country type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he was there, and Brother Megali from Egypt got invited to those meetings. Now, how he heard about the message was through someone in Lebanon. He got introduced to uh, Brother Gerd Rodewald. I had just shortly before that had preached at Brother Gerd's church in Germany. And so I immediately... um, sent an email to brother Marcus and he said, absolutely. You're welcome to come. So I met them at the Cairo airport in the middle of the night. And we went out to this desert (laughs) compound. Um, when it was still dark out at four in the morning and, uh, had a conference there. And since then, um, they kind of stopped traveling from Germany to to Cairo. That was their first trip. Um, and we had wonderful meetings. The Lord really blessed. And it was really introducing the broader section of the people to the message. So your schedule now, how often are you, you traveling back to well, Egypt now? Things have, things have changed so significantly um, with COVID and with, even with how um, teaching and, and things are consumed. When I was not able to travel, I did those videos and I had them with subtitles translated into Arabic. So his whole church was watching those videos for a long time. And he, of course, understands English and he, 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 he's on almost every video I do live he watches. So 
the need to travel there is not exactly the same as it used to be. So, um, you know, I would say my vision is, you know, waiting on the leading of the Lord in each circumstance and each time. But more than likely, two times, two times a year is a good trip. And then to be able to provide support to him because, you know, he he's working to expand the message throughout the country. And, you know, would like to, he has a vision to go beyond Egypt, but he's working first to get things well-established in Egypt, which I feel is the leadership of the Lord in his life. So once he does that, once he gets things well-established and starts spreading in Egypt, he'd like to go to other Arabic-speaking countries. Yeah. But uh, as far as myself, um, we're tentatively looking at a plan to go back in, in June lord being willing but we'll see how that goes at least we'll go back once to to egypt to hold a conference this year um but we're also we're also trying to help them get their own building you know i'm so used to working in turkey where it's refugees and things can change with the government policy so quickly that all of a sudden you have a you have a church of that you think's growing and thriving and government changes its policy and it vanishes and pops up in another city. So you, you really wouldn't be wise to do anything but rent there. But in Egypt, everybody's there permanently. And we very much like would, would like to help them and, and raise the funds to help them to buy some land and, and, and have a building of their own. Yeah. I, you know, I was just researching last week the beginnings of the work in Ukraine. And there's, there's a lot of similarities because there was a pastor in Donetsk, and there was a stir that kind of revolved around that. And then they eventually, I believe they built their own building, but that became the, like the contact point for the whole country. Wow. Yeah. So you're kind of in a pattern that has happened before yeah. and how this is happening in Egypt. Yep, exactly. And I mean, with, with this, there's, there's Saudi Arabia, Yemen, United Arab Emirates, Lebanon, Syria. I mean, we go on and on. And these are these are places that I cannot go. There's no way. I could go there as a tourist, but any contact with locals would instantly be trouble. And with these brothers in Egypt, it's a totally different story. And the opportunities there to expand. So we're just... The Lord knows how to do that. And, and also with the, the electronic tools you're talking about, you might not have to physically go. Yeah. You know, your, your material can go out and yeah. get into those places. Missions work is maybe changing in that way as those things come available. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, I you might be catching the attention of some of the, the next younger generation of ministers or missionaries that are, have been growing up in this age of technology. You've kind of lived through it, the yep. stages. Yep, sure. But now here's, here's a young man out there that says, I want to do something for the Lord. And missions might be, uh, there might be different ways of doing it than have been done in the past. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's there's vast networks of people that are on Telegram, that are on WhatsApp, that are doing broadcast lists to millions of people that live abroad, that don't live inside of Iran, 
Um, and, and the Iranian government is, is wise to that and understands that and is even, there was someone living in, I think, either Madrid or Barcelona, Spain, and they got, they got kidnapped by the Iranian government and taken back to Iran because they were such a tremendous influencer through telegram broadcast list. And so it's, it does, there's ways to have an impact that um, are are hard to calculate. No, it's not the same as church, but really for an underground believer in a country like Iran, church is never going to be, until things drastically change, is never going to be what we think of as going to church. It's secretly getting together with your family and praying and singing and listening to a preacher or a, a preacher visiting your home privately and preaching to you, but they can't gather a group of 100 people. It's, it's impossible. It would be impossible to almost gather a group of 20 people. Impossible or illegal? Illegal and impossible because that many people is immediately marked. Because their, their secret police is everywhere and it has informants everywhere. So... Um, Mostly in Iran, their their pattern for church is family. A family of four or five, ten people together, maybe extended people, and then the police, secret police come and say, what are you doing? It's a family get-together. And they say, okay, there's nothing that can be done. We think you're having church. Oh, let's see, there's food, and which is a normal Iranian family thing. They, families get together in big groups like that all the time. And so that's what they have to do. And ministers have to be very creative in how they minister to their people. And so, you know, outside outside people that can preach on a video without getting arrested in Iran are invaluable to them. So just that, that maybe that would open people's minds up to the importance of these videos that these brothers are doing we think it's a small thing it's it's the spiritual food is it's it's is it ideal no but it's what they have and so they fellowship with one another privately secretly and then feed on something that someone from another country that speaks their language has preached so wonderful i I hope someone out there is inspired by that i'm inspired just sitting here listening hmm yeah. Like I could maybe do something right from home. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Okay, well, uh, it's been a great conversation, Brother Jason. Is there anything that you could share that people, if they wanted to help your ministry, how they could get involved? Yeah, yeah, no, they, definitely there's, um, like I said, I think the main thing I'm thinking of is translations, and we're trying to get, raise funds to, um, so that they can purchase a building in, in Cairo. Um, and your contact for, for that would be? My website would be presenttruthmn.com, like Minnesota, even though I'm not in Minnesota anymore. So presenttruthmn.com. And then there's a place on there you'll see where you can go and, and give and there's different options there. Amen. It's an opportunity to be right in on the ground floor of something. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Praise <laughs> the Lord. Well, I appreciate your time, Brother Jason. Thanks, Brother Mark. It's been great. Appreciate it. Enjoyed it.
All right. <laughs> God bless you. Bless you. Well, Brother Mark, that certainly was a wonderful uh, series of testimonies from Brother Jason. Lots of uh, wonderful background information with regards to mission works. A lot of times people don't get to see the day-to-day, the meeting-by-meeting, interview-by-interview, counseling session-by-counseling session that is spent with people overseas laboring, things that have an eternal benefit. And, you know, one life changed for the gospel of Jesus Christ can have a huge impact on a country. And so we're we're just appreciative of the testimony, certainly enjoyed that hearing again, that testimony of the of the uh, Christian man, the Pentecostal minister that had the question and finally was won over by the presence of the Lord. Sometimes situations arise that are beyond our control, but God uses the attack of the enemy to turn things around and to glorify his will and his purpose in uh, any particular country or situation. Coming up right away, I've got a recent testimony from Uganda of something that arose there and how God turned it around. And I know that people will be uh, thrilled to hear what the Lord is continually doing in Uganda there. But, you know, there are these works in these different countries around the world that are very, very vital to finding that last predestinated seed. And of course, people know that's what Bible Believers is about. It's not about big numbers. It's about getting the message into every kindred, tongue, and nation and being able to just be there for God to use to find the ones that he has predestinated to life in this hour. I'm actually recording this now from Germany as I'm here for Easter meetings with uh, the believers in Brother Andreas Ringen's church here in northern Germany. And I've been studying uh, the things that Brother Branham said in the message Easter Seal, and maybe I'll just close with a quotation from there, how that Brother Branham spells out that eternal life that quickens the elect by predestination in these last days. He says in the message Easter Seal, he says, Now, John Doe was born in sin, shaped in iniquity, come into the world speaking lies because he's immortal. But maybe he gets a little religious feeling. He'll join a church. Maybe he'll join a Pentecostal church. I don't know. He might join anything. But let him get under the atmosphere of God once. See, John Doe is bound to recognize who his father is just as that eagle recognized who the mother was. It's got to realize it. Only that John Doe is God's attribute that's become a spoken word, and then the Holy Spirit seeks that word out. Here it is. He calls him, gives him everlasting life, and brings him into the presence of God, God's word. So I thought that was a real good representation of what was taking place in that Pentecostal minister. He didn't realize that the Holy Spirit was seeking him out. And God is certainly seeking out every predestinated elected seed in these last days that's ordained to eternal life. And that's why we want to make ourselves available. And we thank 
each and every one that listens for supporting Bible believers and and certainly if they are interested in supporting Brother Jason, they can contact him directly or can send support through Bible believers. And so until next time, remember all of these needs in prayer. We appreciate you all very much and trust the Lord has blessed you through this podcast. Shalom. Thank you for joining us on the podcast today. Remember, friends, the bridegroom will not come until the bride has made herself ready. She must be both called and fully dressed by the Word of God. This is the Believer's Faith Challenge Report podcast. You can sign up for our email newsletter at BibleWay.org. Scroll to the bottom of the page where it says Newsletter. Fill in your name and email address and click Sign Up. In this email report, you will receive reports of the works of God in China, in Africa, in South America, in India, Europe, all over the world. We also publish a full-color paper newsletter two times a year, complete with photographs, reports, and testimonies from all over the world. The newsletter is free. Just request it, and we would be happy to mail a copy to you. You can contact us by email at info at bible-believers.org. That's info at bible-believers.org. Or you can write to us at Bible Believers, P.O. Box 128, Blaine, Washington, 98231. That's Bible Believers, P.O. Box 128, Blaine, Washington, 98231. This is Mark Ajo. Thank you for being with us today. And be sure to join us for the next Believers Faith Challenge Report podcast.